Pegasus Podcast, presented by Night Sports Now. UCF news, views, and a few hot takes. Now, here are your hosts, Bailey Pewter Adams and Christian Anthracite Simmons. Welcome into episode 79 of the Pegasus Podcast. Be sure you're following us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at ByCA Simmons, and at Night Sports Now. Christian, how are you? I'm a little stressed right now because I always have a beverage next to me when we record the podcast. And right when I pressed record, I realized I did not get one. So <laughs> uh, no way to like clear my throat during this pod. So that'll be fun. That'll be loads of fun. And as we met, we talked about before the podcast, I'm currently having like allergy issues or something's going on. So I have this huge thing of water next to me. Yeah, I know. Drinking. I don't like, do you ever get that thing where like, you're not thirsty, but when you realize you don't have access to water, you suddenly <laughs> get very thirsty. Cause I was not thirsty at all. And then I, I pressed record. You started the intro. I realized I didn't have a water and now I'm just like, my throat is dry. Like, it's like, <laughs> I do. I feel really parched right wow. now. What a problem to have. Speaking <laughs> of problems to have UCF has some right now. It just eh. lost their highest rated recruit. They're fine. They are They're fine. okay. I'm not that stressed about it. I so that as Bailey just said, UCF lost Isaiah Nixon. He was an edge, right? Was that his yeah, edge rusher? Yeah, UCF's top recruit who committed during the spring game and was like way, way, way higher rated. He would have been the highest rated player to ever commit to UCF if he'd followed through, and he did not follow through. He uh, visited Florida this weekend, <laughs> um, and then immediately decommitted. And word on the street is he's going to commit to Florida, like maybe by the time you're listening to this, he was probably, do it probably. um. So like, yeah, that happened. I, it's one of those things where I was really excited for him when he committed, obviously, but it was like, if you guys don't really keep up with recruiting, this has been like, this wasn't a super big surprise. There was some controversy a couple weeks ago because uh, UCF had bounce house weekend, which is, you know, that great event they do every year that most of their commitments, they can trace back to that event. And he wasn't going to go and he was going to skip it to take a visit to Florida. And I was like, well, that's probably not a good sign. And uh, then he changed his mind and he came to bounce house weekend, didn't go to Florida. And I was like, ah, I can relax. It's over. And then he visited Florida this weekend anyway. (laughs) So it really was just the same result happened. It was just delayed two weeks. So now UCF fans are in crisis mode. And as always, that's great. So here's how my brain works. It, It, the fact that he's the one that committed during the spring game, that makes it so much worse to me than like, if he would have just been committed on some random day. So I'm like, oh, that was so cool. Like, that was just like a funny, like in the moment, like just from the stands, he tweeted his commitment or whatever. And like, I thought that was so funny. And so like now tracing back, like, oh, we lost that moment. But that, that moment, was honestly no why, like, why I was skeptical from the start. I mean, I'm not, listen, I'm not going to act like here, like I know everything. Like when he committed, I was, everyone's celebrating. I'm not over here. Like he's going to decommit and switch to Florida in a few months. Like I was very excited, but that kind of fell into the category of what I describe as like an emotional commitment where it's like, I'm in the, I'm in the stands and this game is so cool. I think he committed earlier in the day. Like he was on campus. It was a vibe. It kind of, honestly, it's kind of why I'm surprised that UCF's Caven call has stuck with UCF for so long. He was the four-star now three-star thanks to four seven who committed on Christmas day. Cause he committed basically like he flat out said, like I got hyped up over the Gasparilla bowl when he committed. Um, but he's yeah. apparently solid, which that's, but like those types of commitments are the ones that I put less faith in. Cause it's like, whenever it's based off a moment or an emotion, it's like, this doesn't have as much weight as someone who like really thought it through and, you know. Well, I mean, this is when you think back to the fact that these are 17 and 18 year old kids. Yeah. Like, I mean, they're going to make emotional decisions. Sometimes maybe their, their opinion, their mind or their opinion can change on a whim. So, I mean, especially with the early, early commitments, you're like, I mean, that's a nice, it's nice to have those commitments and nice to build a class that way. But yeah, that's what we talked, I don't know, months ago, probably at this point about how, how highly uh, how highly rated UCS recruiting class was. And we're like, obviously it's not going to stay where it is. Like it's, it's got to go down. And that's just the nature of everything. Well, speaking of classes that aren't going to stay where they are, I feel like part of the reason UCF fans are in more of a panic about this than they usually are is because Cincinnati's class, I believe is sixth in the country right now. Yeah. Um, which of course is like, everyone's freaking out. I, I just want to like dispel a couple things about that, if you don't mind. And I don't the mind. first is like, I'm not like sitting here trying to discredit Cincinnati's class because to be completely honest with you, I, I like seeing Cincinnati having a really good class. I want the new big 12 to be a very good conference. And I think that's a great sign that Cincinnati is doing that, but they have 20 commitments right now, which for June is insane. I looked it up and I mean, Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma state, Kansas state, Kansas, Houston, BYU, UCF, they all have fewer than 10 commits. Like having 20 is crazy right now. So, and since two, four, seven, a huge part of the formula is number of commits that's elevated them like crazy. You pointed out to me, Bailey, that the average player rating of Cincinnati's 20 commits is 87.57. 
And UCF's now without Isaiah Nixon is still 87.12. So they're bringing in like almost the exact same caliber of players, which I should point out UCF's 87.12 without Isaiah Nixon is higher than last year's, which was the best class <laughs> in UCF history. So UCF's going to be fine. The other thing I want to point out about the Cincinnati thing is like, oh, they have 20 commitments. That's great. We'll see if those guys stick or not. Who knows? But I, UCF does not want 20 commitments. I don't think we're ever going to see UCF was... taking 20 high school players in a class again. Right. And, and we've kind of seen this over the last little bit is Cincinnati doesn't like they, they've used the, the uh, transfer portal a little bit, but they're not building through the transfer portal as much they're as you very has. light on the portal. Yeah. And UCF has, I mean, Gus has said multiple times like that, we're going to dip into the portal. Um, and so what UCF has like, they have like five commits now, right? With yeah, there are five currently. There's yeah. like, there's so, I mean, a couple, I know there's one that they're expecting kind of soon. Like I say, I know other people know, and you know, that's and by, yeah, by association, but, uh, you also know <laughs> yeah, pretty much that's pretty much my so, whole thing. So, which means that I know too, by you knowing go. you. So, um, yeah, there's one there they're expecting pretty soon, but I, uh, overall, I'm just not worried about my new obsession is the Harris twins. Um, Andrew and Michael Harris, who are two linebackers who are both very highly rated. Um, Andrew is the 190th player in the nation. Michael is 297th. And that's why I'm not really stressing out right now, because I feel like UCF supposedly is very much in the mix for them. I mean, it's going to be tough. They've got they've drawn a lot of power five interest. They're taking visits right now. I know Auburn wants them. Michigan State wants them. Those are big brands. But it seems like UCF is in that. And I'm just like kind of obsessed with landing them because Andrew is hot, more highly rated than Isaiah Nixon is. So I honestly landing those twins would be, I would categorize that as the biggest recruiting win in UCF history. If that happened, I know Braden Marshall, he's a four-star corner that I don't know if they're going to get him, but that's another guy that it seems like UCF feels like they're in the running for. So there's plenty of more. It's not like Isaiah Nixon decommitted and that's it. That was our one four-star. Like it's, there's other options for really highly rated recruits and several other guys who are not four stars or highly rated three stars or just players. The staff really likes that. I think we're going to see committing in the next couple of months. So I'm just not, I know fans are kind of like, well, they're not kind of upset. They're very upset, but I'm just not that stressed out to be honest about the state of the class at all. I still think it's going to go down as the best class in school history when all said and done. We still don't know why Caven Call went from a four-star to a three-star just randomly in the middle of the spring. It was an like, I would feel, I would feel like fairly, I mean, I don't know how all the intricacies of all this works, but I would feel very, very fairly confident that like once he gets back into playing his senior season, he's going to get back up to a four-star level. Like, he might not because 247 made a change, a pretty tectonic change to their composite. So if, if you guys don't, aren't like big into recruiting, the 247 sports composite is the industry standard for this stuff. None of this matters. It's all made up numbers, but you know, for the, how we perceive things. Then the 247 composite for years and years has been, it's 247's rating of a player, ESPN's rating of a player, and Rivals rating of a player. They throw it into some formula and that's the composite number. And it's like the gold standard for a recruit's rating. And there was a huge change a few weeks ago where they also, because it's gotten so big, they added on threes ratings into the composite and on three does not like Kevin call. So that knocked him. So that's what I was wondering. I'm going to say, what, what do they have him as, is he a two-star or is he a three-star? No, he's a three-star, but he's like a mid-level three-star on on three. So it just, it knocked him out. Cause like the update in April that dropped him, like it dropped him to like a very high level three-star that could tick back up to four. And on three, like knocked him a lot lower. So it, it's going to take like a serious reevaluation by one of those four to get him back in the mix, which might happen if he has a great yeah. senior season. Anyone, so. anyone listening to this right now can't see, but I just rolled my eyes at that. Cause just, I mean, it's just, it just shows you right there. Like you look at anyone who, who evaluates any recruit is going to have a different opinion on them. So it's just funny the way everything gets factored in and like there take, we take certain people's, opinions as gospel and other people's like oh no like whatever so i mean i, I don't know on three is like still pretty new isn't it they're pretty damn new i, I mean so my like, issue is that like i think that the composite i think recruiting rankings are a snapshot and they're helpful and i'm not like sitting here being like oh stars don't matter at all or whatever it's like they to an extent do like i've always said the same thing it's like getting a five star is a big deal five stars are like ready-made guys for the nfl there's only about 30 of them a year so getting one of those guys is a big deal but like I don't know what the I don't know if there's truly a discernible difference between the 300th player in the nation and the 800th player in the nation. I just don't. And what really bothers me is you get stuff and this isn't like oh conspiracy. This is admitted by the people who do these ratings whatever is that if there's a player who he's like a two star or even a low rated three star on 247 and Alabama offers him. They're going to go that doesn't add up. We might've misevaluated that guy. And they'll go take a look and be like, okay, I see what they're seeing there. And he gets bumped up. Now, if that same guy had been discovered by Purdue, he's not getting his rating bumped up. And that's fine. I don't have a problem with that because I do agree that if you're two, four, seven, and you see Alabama's offering a two-star, you're like, we probably screwed up. But at the same time, 
it feeds on itself where then Alabama has these insane composite rating. And then media and people on the playoff committee go, well, this team doesn't have as good of a composite rating, so they can't be as good. We don't even need to watch the game. And it's this thing that feeds on itself. I'm like, you have to look back at like how the sausage is made. You can't literally take the composite and decide that that matters more than what would actually happen on the field. But that's college football in a nutshell, is people just look at recruiting rankings to decide who's good and who's not. That's why I wonder, like that exact reason right there is why I wonder if Caven Call went down to a three-star because he committed to UCF. Once they realized that he was like, solid and committed to UCF for a good three, four months at that point. They're like, oh, maybe he's not a four-star. And I don't realize if that's the case, but I could totally see this situation where I believe Kevin Call had a Florida offer. So this is this is not at all what happened, or I'm just giving an example of how this could work. Like in my head, I could see that a 247 person or, or an ESPN arrivals, because again, the composite is all of them, sees that Kevin Call committed to Florida or to UCF. And they reach out to a staffer at Florida. They have contact with a scout, whoever. And they say, hey, what's up with Caven Call going to UCF? And Florida or whoever who's upset that he didn't commit with them says, oh, he, you know, he, he's just not a take for us. And 247 person goes, oh, damn. Okay, we probably had them too highly. Let me reevaluate. Watches some tape with that bias in their mind. Goes, yeah, you know what? We probably overrated him. Lowers the rating. That's a total hypothetical and not in all like what happened. But I'm just saying that those are the types of things that do legitimately They happen. do. Yeah, they do. So happen. like, yeah. I Because the other thing is you just have, it, it, coaching intel is the only thing that's happening. And what, like a, a cave and call or something where it's April and a player's rating is changing. They're not at a camp. They're not playing games. They're literally just sitting at home. And they've been reevaluated. Like, so I, that type of stuff is where I just, I, I, it loses me a bit, but whatever. I still think UCF set up a really nice class. The other thing I really wish UCF fans would stop doing that we can get out of the recruiting conversation is like a lot of people are like, wow, yeah, Florida paid them. Florida got that, got that NIL money. <laughs> and it's like one, I, okay. I know this is a UCF podcast, but like, I, I think it's okay to admit that it's not that crazy to say that a player might want to play for Florida and the SEC more than they might want to play for UCF and don't have to be paid to do so. They might right. just want to. And at the same time, I've said this a billion times, how many players outside of like top 50 are realistically getting NIL deals of the value to make them flip commitments? Are right. any, are any of them this notion that like random fans have now that it's like, Oh yeah, Texas A&M, they paid 40 million for their class. Isn't true. Or like, yeah, you know, he's the 320th player. They're giving him six figures. No, they're freaking not. <laughs> it's just not happening. I, I just, it's like NIL has just become the new they're cheating. It's like, you remember how always in the day, if you lose a recruit, it's like, Oh, well they cheated. You know, they gave him a car. And now it's just, if you lose a recruit, it's like, Oh, well he, they paid him NIL. There's no other reason he wouldn't come to UCF except that, you know, he got money. It's like the SpongeBob SquarePants movie when Plankton, he's like Plankton cheated. It's like, <laughs> That's yeah i mean mind. i just <laughs> we were talking about spongebob before this podcast started i don't even know we got on it so you that's know, probably that that's shows probably our maturity in my head we're in our mid-20s ladies and gentlemen and um yeah i just i, I don't know the, the nil thing it just bugs me like i think in some ucf fans minds ucf's going to sign about 15 high school prospects and they will be like wow the only 15 players in the country who weren't offered nil by other schools <laughs> like i i just you know it's where UCF UCF had a better offer NIL wise than the other schools. And the other reason I want, yeah, there you go. And the other reason I want players or players, fans to stop like tweeting stuff. Cause some fans are tweeting stuff at Nixon. And we'll get into that in tweet of the week is like, I promise you UCF's not burning that relationship because I know UCF's thinking, you know what, what maybe in 2023, he signs with UF, he gets up there. He's not cracking the rotation. He's not playing. And he's back in Orlando this time in 2023. So I think I said, okay, 2022 is the yeah. season. No, but he would commit for 2023. Yeah, I'm so sorry, he'd he be back right. in Orlando for 2024. Like, yeah, it's like yeah. It, it, all of you. I mean, there are guys like you remember Zane Durant, who was a big recruiter after you end up at Penn State. These are all guys they want to maintain relationships with because they know if it doesn't work out, they'll end up in the portal and they can come back home. Right, so yep. stop. <laughs> I, I, and listen, I don't think like any of these recruits are going to not make a decision because a fan was dumb on Twitter, but it's just like, you know, guys, the game has changed. It's like, just stop being dumb, you know? It's just people have so much more access to to recruits and just to everything than they did before. They don't know how to use it. It's bad. Well, it's like I said, now I'm just taking us down the philosophical route. Like as recently as 20, 25 years ago, 90% of college football fans, and that's not an exaggeration, did not pay attention to or care about recruiting at all. It was not a part of being a college football fan. And if you were one of the diehards that did in more recent years, like 20 years ago or 15 years ago, even you'd pay a subscription service like rivals as if those used to be paid subscription sites that would give you information. And before that, if I want to know, like if I'm a UCF fan in like 1994 and I'm like, I wonder what Dante Culpepper is going to do. I would pick up the phone, go to the yellow pages. I would call the Orlando Sentinel sports desk and I would say, hey, what's Dante Culpepper doing? And they would say, 
oh, he's committed to UCF. You go, oh, great, nice. And you'd be one of the four people that knows that. And it's just now it is like, it's followed like free agency. Like it is, it's followed almost as much as the actual games are. It's just led to all kinds of, you know, side effects of that. Yeah, it's not. It, it gives us something to talk about in the off season. At the same time, it's just, it gets tiresome sometimes, especially moments like this, but UCF will be fine. You know, it's, it's, what is it? Oh, it's June. Wow. It is I was going to say, we were talking about April so much about how Kevin calls uh, recruiting ranking or rating change in April. I was about to say, well, it's April. It's fine. It's June, <laughs> but still June. Is yeah. Guys fine. are actually committing. Like I said, I think June and July, I think UCF yeah. just really needs a boom and hopefully they'll get one in the next few weeks here, a month here. And then everyone yeah. will calm down. Yeah, it'll be fine. Um, anyway, so we'll jump into what the main topic was supposed to be. We ended up spending about like, I think 20 minutes or so on, on Isaiah Nixon and UCF recruiting and Phil off. Knew that was going to happen. And, yeah, it always happens. But uh, our main topic was what it's supposed to be uh, is kind of just going more into some of the Big 12 talk. We talked about Big 12 travel destinations last week, and that uh, article you wrote kind of blew up on Reddit, which I thought was really fun. Oh, boy. <laughs> I said on the podcast last week, I, you asked me, Bailey, you were like, oh, is, uh, have you got any comments from uh, like Big 12 fans that aren't UCF fans? And I was like, oh, like one or two. Oh, man, things changed after that. Yeah, <laughs> I got that, that night we recorded, you sent, you sent, oh, it made it, way, it made its way to Reddit. It was like two hours later, like, and it, it was like, hundreds and hundreds of replies <laughs> but um anyway the big 12 travel destinations article is now the most viewed article in night sports now history so i'm not complaining thank you but, for uh, your yeah. hate reads i got your my views are great my fate i had a couple fair a couple people were like why is this guy so determined to list the zoos in each of these cities <laughs> i'm like because i like zoos yeah. um i one person i i mentioned um i mentioned the little apple the little apple brewing company i mentioned the little apple brewing company i don't know why i couldn't say that um in kansas state and someone replied was like he said the little apple brewing company is downtown and it's not it's right outside of downtown <laughs> and then a kansas state fan replies to that guy and says yeah and it's not even the best restaurant in town and the first kansas state fan replies hold on yes it is and this argument starts up and i'm just reading all this like what have i done like what have Again, i created <laughs> we're in the middle of the summer college football is still a couple months away and everyone's just like what can we argue about and who can i argue with um but anyway, off of off of the travel destinations and more just in general, the conference itself. Um, talk about the future of the Big Twelve and where UCF fits in, and our expectations generally for the first few years for UCF, and then long term. Um, you know, we'll get into all of that. But what we wanted to do first was kind of look at the the Big Twelve landscape heading into the 2022 season. And as you know, Christian, I every year do the you know, viewing guide, which is like which games each week appeal to me and to you and to just generally which games are going to be the good ones to keep an eye on. And as I was doing it for 2022, obviously just the, all, a lot of the Big 12 matchups that maybe weren't as appealing before are just calling my name now. And that's going to be interesting. Well, it's just like, I mean, you know, like why would I watch the Tulsa Temple game, you know, in past years? It's right. like there they're a conference mates. I'm interested in what happens. And it's like, yeah, that being the Big 12 now is weird. I still remember last season, it was either right before or right after UCF officially got in. I was watching, it was Oklahoma state Tulsa. And I was like, this feels weird. Like I'm rooting against Tulsa and hoping <laughs> Oklahoma state wins, like not used to that, but yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. So this fall, of course, and I think for we, the expectation is still for at least for a year, Oklahoma and Texas are going to still be in the big 12 when UCF and all the other new schools get there. Um, those two right now, as far as um, bet MGM's odds to win the conference, Oklahoma is the favorite right now, and Texas isn't too far behind. Let's stop there. I don't Why? know. Why? Why would we do this know, with man. Texas every year? They have Quinn Ewers, man. They're, uh, they're turning it around. I, listen, so the, the, the disaster scenario for the Big 12, in my opinion, is that you get a Big 12 championship game either this year or next year of Oklahoma, Texas. And luckily that's happened once since the championship game returned. So I'm not super worried about that, but like, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just, yeah, people are always, it's the, been the same thing for legitimately 15 years now is every single year we are convinced <laughs> that this is the year. And I'm not saying Quinn yours isn't good, but like, I don't, I mean, the dude is 18 and is it all we're basing it off of. That's what, that's what I'm wondering. Like, well, they, they, they made some moves in the transfer portal. Um, yeah. They got, they got a linebacker that you see. I, don't I think they're going to be bad. I, just I don't, don't think they're going to be five and seven again, but I don't like right. I, I don't know. Baylor's returning most of their team. I don't know why you would think that Texas is going to be better than Baylor. I don't know what they've shown you in the last 15 years to suggest that that would be the case, but yeah. And Baylor is returning most of their team that won the conference last year. And they're, they're tied with Oklahoma state for the third best odds. Oklahoma state was in the title game too, right? 
Yeah, it was Oklahoma State Baylor. Oklahoma right. State lost, then went and won the Fiesta Bowl. Baylor won and went to the Sugar Bowl, which day won. I think Baylor finished the season ranked fifth, and Oklahoma State was like seventh. And then the fact um, too is that Baylor's replacing the quarterback with somebody that they think is better because now the guy that was you know their quarterback last year is at USF. Yeah, this guy won them the Big Twelve championship game, I believe. Right. Because the uh, the guy who's now at USF got hurt. But the point being, it's like you look at Texas versus Baylor, and, you know, anyone's gonna be like, oh, the five stars, the composite ratings that we just freaking talked about. And it's like for Baylor, it's like, okay, you've got a team that was just a top five team in the whole country and is returning most of their team and a quarterback who's apparently an improvement over last year. And you've got Texas who made a bunch of upgrades in the portal. And, but what they are upgrading is a five and 17 and Quinn Ewers might be very good in two years, but I, I don't know. There's, there's actually been like some rumblings out of Texas. He might not even win the job. Um, so, yeah. yeah. And I think it says a lot that Arch Manning is apparently still heavily considering Texas. So, you know, I don't know. It's like if the most sought after quarterback recruit in college football history is still heavily considering your school to the point that you're a finalist, it probably means your quarterback situation might not be awesome. So, yeah, I I don't know. I'm not saying Quinn Ewers is going to be great, but to like elevate them to favorite to appear in the Big 12 title game because they got him, that seems really short sighted to me. So let's be generous to Texas for a second and say, like, right now going to 2022, just based on these odds and based on just general perception, the top tier of the Big 12 will be Oklahoma, Texas, Oklahoma State, and Baylor. Then I think there's a middle tier probably of TCU, Kansas State, maybe Iowa State probably. Would you throw West Virginia in the middle tier? I Well, first off, I wouldn't put TCU in the middle tier, to be honest no. with you. I mean, okay. they have, they've been pretty bad for a few years now and they just got a new coach. I don't, th- I think they're eventually going to get back to being very good, but I don't expect that to happen this year. I don't know a lot about TCU. I just know that odds based on odds, like they have better odds than Kansas state and they're, I mean, after, after the top four that I named, they're the next best odds. Yeah, I think that's just I'm a brand wondering. thing. They haven't won more than seven games, four straight years now. Yeah. I'm wondering what, if that, and, if that... and now they have a new coaching staff. So no, I don't buy that. I, I here's who I buy. I buy Kansas state. I yeah. think Kansas State's like a legitimate sleeper this year. It wouldn't surprise me if they end up in the title game, to be honest with you. So I would say like, and honestly, I, now I'm just sounding like a new Big 12 homer, but I truly think this, we don't really, I, assuming that Oklahoma's just going to snap back to being what they were two years ago seems also short-sighted to me because that's it's an entirely different coaching staff. Half the players transferred out to go to USC. They have a quarterback who historically doesn't play well in big games. And <laughs> now he's got loads and, of uh, and now he's got loads that I actually have no idea what Dylan Gabriel's gonna do. I assume he'll be very good, but I, I don't know. Like, I'm not, I'm, I definitely don't think Oklahoma's gonna be bad, but like the athletic, which I think this was dumb, didn't even have them in their post spring top 25, <laughs> which that feels dumb to me. But like Oklahoma, this might be more of a nine and three season than a, we're gonna be the fourth seed in the playoff and lose badly their season, you know? So, like, I think that I don't know. I think that's what's so interesting about the Big 12 is because if you really look at any of these teams, you look at the teams we just mentioned and then. You know, lower lower down on the list of odds, you know, Iowa State, West Virginia, Texas Tech, you know, probably not going to be great this year. But like any year, maybe with the exception of West Virginia, but even West Virginia at some point probably has to be better. But like Iowa State has been good recently. Texas Tech has been good. Recently. Iowa State it's was really, a top 10 team the season before this one. It's really Kansas is the one team. That's it. Alone by itself. It's just like, OK, they're the they're the bottom feeder. But everywhere else, there's like it's top to bottom. It's a solid conference. You, all, every single program that's going to make up the new Big 12 has had a moment of significant success as recently as in the last decade, except Kansas. Every single program. And I mean, yeah. like, top 15 seasons. Like, it, it's just the, the depth of the league is crazy. So that's why I think it's so hard when we have this conversation about, you know, in the first few years or where do we expect UCF to fit in this you know, hierarchy in the long run? It's like there's not really a, a set, you know, hierarchy. You know I mean, like, it's, yeah, it's just not, I don't think so there it's is like one. hard and, to. Well, what'll be interesting is if one develops or not. Yeah. And maybe one will. Cause I mean, listen, the whole Oklahoma dominating and winning the title every single year, that was a Lincoln Riley thing. Even, even under Bob Stutes, that was not the case. There was a time where they were trading them with Texas, believe it or not, and Nebraska and, and teams like that. And, you know, as recently as I, I mean, look at even this past year, I mean, Baylor won the league and Oklahoma state was the runner up, you know, I mean, it's, it's, you know, uh, I don't know. I'll be very curious. Kansas also apparently thinks they're about to have their best season in like a decade, which for them is like four wins, but they're very excited about the possibility of it, which they do. Have a good coach. So, yeah, I, I mean, do we just want to move into like where UCF fits in there? Cause I feel like yeah. we're kind of trending that way. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do want to talk about that, but it's just like, it's hard to even really say. Not I don't, because I don't know. not because we've never seen them play in this conference. Well, like that's part of it, but also just the conference is so it fluctuates so much. 
So in the short term, at least like the first couple, like year one in the league, my goal, my personal goal for UCF is go five and four in conference player better. Just have a winning record in conference. I think that'd be a huge first step. I know the fans are going to scream, what do you mean? We're amazing. We're UCF. So that, was that one fan uh, tweeted the week, I think last week or the week before yeah. maybe, that was like UCF's a better program than all of these new Big 12 teams or whatever. He said, except maybe Baylor. Yeah. And said that anything less than eight and four is unacceptable, which <laughs> is just astounding. But anyway, I mean, and UCF apparently is going to host either Texas or Oklahoma. That's the belief. I would love for it to be Texas and not Oklahoma. But, um, I, you know, so it's like for me, it's just year one, just have a winning record in the league. Year two, my goal would be like, OK, now I want I want to see you be like a top five team in the league, like be a little bit better than the top half. And then your probably th- is like around six and three, six and three in leagues, seven and two. I literally like six and three or seven and two in league, like yeah. just show that you're elevating and that you're not falling off. And then with by the time that you've had a couple of years to recruit both through the portal and high school and get up to a full Big 12 roster, like I would want to see like, I, I don't know, like I would like to see them. It's just it's never going to be like the AAC guys, like I, yeah. uh, barring something crazy or Gus Malzahn actually being the next Saban, like I UCF is not just going to win the league every year or even every other year. Like, I just don't think that's on the table in this league. I mean, you think about it, it's like Baylor, Houston, TCU, Oklahoma State, Cincinnati, UCF. BYU, probably not BYU because they have some recruiting issues like those are six programs that all more or less have the same floor and same ceiling when you think about yeah. it. And because that's half the league. So I just don't see a scenario where there's ever fewer than at least two or three of those that are all very good in the same year, you know, like all that, that group of six. And then there's others like Kansas state and Texas Tech and then rise up that group of six. Iowa there's state, always going to be Iowa state. Yeah. BYU. There's always going to be at least, at least two or three truly really good teams. So UCF's not going to like, for me, like the ceiling for UCF in this conference and where I'd love for them to be like five, six, seven years from now is like at the point where they're, a top 25 team year in and year out and they can rise up to win the league maybe once every three or four years. I think that that is like the dream scenario. Yeah. I mean, I think you'd probably just want to get to the point where like every year you're going into the year thinking like we can, we can win. Like we have the team to win the conference this year. Yes. You know, it's not going to happen every year, but you want to be in that position where you feel like you're one of the top four or five teams in the conference on a consistent basis. Because again, with this being a power five, with this being the big 12, like, if you're the fourth best team in the conference, you're probably still a top 25 team. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. And that's, that should be, I mean, every year, if, if you see, I guess to a point where they're a top 25 team every year, or even like, I don't know if you say they finished in the top 25, five of the last seven years, five of the last eight years, you're like, I mean, feeling pretty good about that. And you look at, we all know the 12 team playoffs coming after 25. It just is happening later than we wanted it to. And, you know, that in that system, winning the Big 12 will equal a playoff appearance. So, like, UCF showing up in the major part of the postseason every three, four years, I think that's great. And I think you yeah. can build from there. And then we can see down the line what you can become. And listen, this could all be totally wrong. I mean, this season, this league could play out and a team could become the next Oklahoma that just catches lightning in a bottle at the right time and manages to recruit elite off of that and becomes that dominant team. But I don't know. There's just so many good teams in this league. I don't know what the odds are of that legitimately happening for anyone well, i think that's what's gonna make it so much more fun like i don't know and that, that's kind of another thing i wanted to talk about was like which games and it's it's along the same theme like, i thought like which games we can we see becoming a big deal on a regular basis like ucf and who but like because of how many teams are going to be in that you know upper tier of the big 12 or you're going to be in that you know state where they're competing every year most games are going to mean a lot but i'm just curious about like which ones are going to be like the more like highly contested like this is the game like this you see the schedule come out and you're like we played them this weekend and all that i just i'm curious like who that's going to be well on the topic of all these different teams you know that are really good i saw an interesting theory that i feel like has some merit to it i don't think it's like you know like i don't think it's going to dramatically change things but that one reason that the big 12's tv rights may be very valuable not anywhere near big 10 or sec valuable but just more money on the top is that gambling is sports gambling is growing like crazy right now. I mean, we're in like a renaissance of that. It's gone from like really shady and something that you feel bad about doing to like just part of mainstream sports culture. And the new big 12 is like a casino's heaven, like or a sports books heaven. I mean, it is literally just like nothing but matchups that you probably can't predict and can put really close odds on. So that for that increases TV value, like crazy, like ESPN or Fox or ever having like literally five, six games a week that they can throw on TV that people are going to gamble on and that it's not a clear like favorite is like valuable. But yeah, as far as like, because that I have no idea how to predict who like what games will be, you know, 
I, I Cincinnati. Think, I think Cincinnati is yeah. probably going to become UCF's primary rival and UCF will become their primary rival just because they already have that history and hate each other and are probably going to be competing for around the same spots in the league. But beyond that, I have no idea how to predict. Like, I, I think right now when I look at like, and this is maybe, I don't even know if it's has to do with, you know, being a big gamer just in general. Cause like it, it was kind of coming off of your, um, your travel destinations rankings. Like when I see UCF fans talk about big 12 opponents and stuff, it seems like everybody's very excited to play Oklahoma state. Like they I see are. people talk about Oklahoma state a lot. I get a lot of replies about Oklahoma state. I don't totally know why, to be honest with you. Like I'm not complaining. Like, sure. I mean, I, I just... think, you know, I don't, this is just me. Like when I, when I think of Oklahoma state, like I think their atmosphere, like their game day atmosphere is, is what like, it's great. I think. And is it going to be the best in the new big 12? I mean, is that what we're going off of? Is that's just the most exciting game day atmosphere in the league. I'm sure. I think BYU has a really good one. Texas tech yeah. when they're good has a good one. Does Baylor? A Baylor does too, right? I would assume is, so. I, I don't we really talked know. about it last week. They have a newer stadium, but yeah. I, mean, I think a lot of these programs, like when they're good, they're going to have a good. Like I think even Kansas, like they don't do terrible for football. I don't think their attendance maybe is they, bad. Is it bad? Because yeah, I, I remember bad. maybe I'm thinking of the game. Was it Texas last year? What was the game where like they were like it was people, like during the game where they're like they're they're beating him weren't they at the time and they're like if you're in the area you can just come into the stadium like i don't you don't care if i remember right kansas had the lead in the third quarter and they're immediately went on social and were like the gates are open just get here and like <laughs> half of campus showed up and packed the stadium and then of course that was when oklahoma took over and won but yeah honestly let me ask you a question i want to see if you get the right answer i can tell you what the worst at game day atmosphere is going to be in the new big 12 let's see if you can get it who is it west virginia no, I think that they, they, they have a lot of fans. No. Uh, Houston. It's Houston. Oh, that was a, yeah, I forgot about Houston. Everyone talks about Houston like they're this big sleeping giant. I'm not saying they're not because they have a lot of built in advantages, but they don't Houston have any has here, a surprisingly small stadium and no one goes to games. No one goes to games. They were 12 and 2 this year. They, were, they lost their first game of the season, won every single regular season game after that to finish 11 and 1 in the regular season, and their attendance was in the 20s. Did you see the, um, the usf troll today that like posted like the best stadiums in the aac and they had houston's as second yeah i replied to it i replied <laughs> they had to usf's as four yeah i thought it was funny i, re- I think i replied and i said that I-, I was like yeah you know rice and charlotte will not escape the pressure cooker that is raymond james stadium you got in quick because they turned off replies no they didn't the guy follows me and like the way that works oh. is that i don't know why he follows me but you know so i was able to reply because i he saw some ucf fans he's obsessed and he loves anytime ucf is mentioned oh it's not even UCF. there are a group of like five usf fans that reply to or quote tweet everything i tweet and not even like <laughs> things that relate to usf like anything that even like like literally anything i tweet they're they're in there i don't really know why i might block them i don't know it's kind of Scary. funny it is I funny. Know. Some of them are kind of funny. They they just they, they think such strange things. But um, it's also sad. It re- I don't know. Like sometimes I just get some of these, and I'm like, is this really like the most productive thing you have to do with your day? Like you're mad that I tweeted that Dante Culpepper was good at football. Like why is a USF fan? <laughs> is that something that impacts you in any way? Like I don't know. Oh, that was yeah. That that one was definitely one where I was. Um, you just tweeted. You just tweeted about how. You, you, we'll get into it later, I guess. But you no, not, that's we, not tweet of the week. So we'll see. No, I know, I, but we, I, yeah, I have on the news. We're just gonna talk a little. Okay. Bit about oh, right, right, right. Okay, bit, we can get so there. We'll talk. Well, I, I do want to say another thing about because uh, I just mentioned how Houston people act like as a sleeping giant, and I don't necessarily think they're not, but like I have a hard time believing that you can be good without fans. Um, I just do. I know that's not as quantifiable as recruiting rankings, but like I'm sorry, I think it's difficult. And yeah. I was thinking about this, and it was off of something. I think I might have mentioned this in the podcast before. It was research I did off of an offhand comment that Bob Bowlesby made like two months ago. So I think UCF, this is going to go over so badly in the larger Big 12 community. I think UCF might have better recruiting potential than any other new Big 12 team, any of those 11 other teams. And my reasoning for that is people talk about Houston as a sleeping giant because they're in Houston, which is probably the second best city in America for recruiting. The flip side is they have to compete with everyone. LSU, Texas A&M, Texas, all whatever. UCF is in arguably the second or best most fertile recruiting ground in the whole country. And they have the six hour radius that Gus always talks about where they can get all the talent they need. Again, there's a lot of competition for it, but it's more than just a city. UCF can go into Georgia. They can find the guys they need. I also think that Florida players are just different. Um, and on top of that though, this is what I found interesting is Bob Bowlesby pointed out that every big 12 team that has left to go to another conference other than A&M has had failure. So he said, you know, we'll see what happens. And I was trying to figure out what they all had in common. And someone at The Athletic pointed out, and I started doing some research, and it was true. 
what they all had in common, and this is Colorado, Nebraska, Missouri, is that they played most of their road games in Texas and they heavily recruited Texas. And once they didn't have Texas recruits anymore, they were not good anymore. I sent you, Bailey, when I was doing this. I mean, Nebraska, you could literally track their record declining with when the Texas players left their roster. I mean, it was fascinating. Same thing at Missouri, same thing in Colorado. And with the way the conference is going to be set up, UCF's going to be playing, you know, at least two road games in Texas a year, it looks like. And if you listen, also, if you didn't know why Navy was always in the Western part of the AAC, if you do not realize that, it's because Navy wanted to play in Texas. And if UCF can marry Florida recruiting and Texas recruiting, which is the two best types of recruiting out there, like, I don't know, that's such a unique combo of being based in Florida and playing road games regularly in Texas every year. I feel like they can just like, I don't know, if you if you have the right coach, which I feel like they do and combine those, that could be insane. Yeah, I mean, it could be. I never I never thought of it that way. But I mean, it's something that we'll see. But I think like it's not an advantage that any other school in the Big 12 will have. No, it's not. That's crazy. And the Texas schools will come back and say, well, Texas is better for recruiting and we're in Texas and we're going to play a game. But like even like at most, I think the only if they do do permanent opponents, I think the only Texas one UCF will have is Houston. So Houston would be playing in Florida once every couple of years. So Houston can maybe use that. But it's not the same as UCF going to different parts of Texas and playing multiple games in Texas each year versus a road trip to Florida every four years. You know, like you can't recruit the same. Yeah, I just don't really see the like the hype or the appeal with I mean, I see it to an extent, but with Houston, like I don't like you were saying, like for them to be a sleeping giant, like I just don't see it. I mean, I it's the, they're they're a solid program. Like they're not a bad program or anything. It's just like why wouldn't we have seen it, you know, at reach the level that it has for UCF and Cincinnati now? Like well, it, it has. In in their defense, it has. It absolutely has. I mean, with the, they, new, with the New Year Six, yeah. I'm just talking about in general. Like they had they had what they had two New Year Six appearances or just the one? Just the one. Um, but the they've one. been ve- they've been very good in the past in an era where New Year Six bids weren't as easily attainable. They went 13 and one in Conference USA at one point. And listen, they went 12 and two this past year. I'm not saying that Houston's no good, but I just they did, didn't they? I just that is off my radar. Like I just I didn't think of them as. I think it was because we went into the season thinking like. They, yeah, they should be good because their schedule is like playing. A they bunch had a of very easy week. schedule, and we talked about that. And then yeah. they they met up with Cincinnati at eleven and one and just got destroyed. <laughs> but I, like I said, my issue with Houston is because people do always act like, oh, they're the one. That's why TCU and Baylor and Texas Tech didn't want them in the league. They're going to come in and be the next Oklahoma or the next Texas. And it's like I just recruiting is so freaking competitive in Houston. And as far as I understand it, from people I know who have lived in Houston or been to Houston or spent time there, it's like UCF. Florida, Florida State, and Miami have presences here, but Orlando is a UCF city for the last decade now. I mean, Orlando is, you know, you go downtown, anywhere you go, there's UCF license plate, UCF flags, it's a UCF city through and through. Houston is not a Houston city. It's Texas A&M, it's Texas. And Houston is like just a city college on the side. And I'm not saying that's accurate. I think Houston's a great program, a great school, but that's how it's portrayed. And when you add on top of that, that LSU is probably the last school in college football that recruits commit to for the school, not the coaching staff. And LSU owns Houston. It's I don't think people process how close Houston is to where LSU is, how much of a pipeline there is. They're like, I just they I don't love, see, they love recruiting Houston. I just don't see the recruiting. I don't see the players there that everyone else sees that are act like I, I see the players, but I don't see a hole for Houston to make a name for itself there. I just don't. Especially not when you like, what are you selling them on? Well, like, what were you selling players on this past year when you're like nine and one and you take them to their stadium and it's dead? You know, I mean, are players buying into that? Yeah, I don't know. And that's what's so funny that we talk about all of this stuff like right now having we're still a year, a year and a couple months away from seeing all of this like play out for the first time in the first season with the new Big 12. But like I, how, how much has changed since, you know, this time last year, like this could be completely like we, we try to make predictions of all this stuff. And in six or seven years, it could be like something could have come out of left field. We're like, why are why is Kansas all of a sudden good? Or like, why are who's who just left the conference again? Like, there's so much that well, could just happen. It's just so weird to think. You just about said that. that. Let's look at the six or seven years ago. What was six years ago? 2016. Yeah. All right. So six years ago, UCF was coming off an 0 and 12 season. Um, they just hired a new coach named Scott Frost. We'll see how it's going to go. Um, they ended up going like six and seven. Um, Cincinnati had completely crumbled under Tuberville and was just you know going through the motions of a four and eight season. Um, Houston had just won the peach bowl and was trying to make the playoff and beat Oklahoma to get as high as number six. Like I, it, like at BYU was like 
in this rut of winning seven games every year. I mean, it's just USF was a top 25 team. Like it, you look at like college football, like everything was different six years ago yeah. than it is now. Everything. So it's like, yeah, I have, who knows what the hell things look six years ago. It'll be the highly anticipated big 12 championship of 12 and 0 Texas tech and nine and three Kansas. Like it's just, you just have no way it, who freaking knows. You know? Well, when you also feel like we talk, you know, whatever, five or six years down the road, like where, where will UCF fit into the whole conference, you know, the whole conference, are they going to add more teams? Like, are, who are we going to see come in? Like, is, is that going to happen? Like, it's just, there's so much that. I don't know if that's going to happen. I know that a lot of, I know a lot of group of five programs are banking on that happening and I'm not convinced it's going to. I don't, I don't know. I, I wouldn't count on it, but I wouldn't be surprised at the same time. If the big 12 decides to add teams, they will try to get pack 12 teams first. And the reason that would be their play is not like, oh, we really think the conference is going to be strengthened by the addition of Arizona state and Utah or something, but like, although Utah's a pretty good program, it, it's more about like the TV market value. And they've, and they, we've seen stuff. And I don't know if I mentioned on the podcast, how the big 12 is very excited to have BYU and they're basically going to make BYU play nothing but 8 PM kicks because they want to degrade because the PAC 12 is currently, I'm getting too in the weeds of TV stuff. <laughs> the PAC 12 is the only power conference that can offer networks that 10 30 Eastern time window. Mm-hmm. And by making BYU play late, then the big 12 can take that away from them. And that is a lot of the PAC 12's TV values, giving something to fill that window. So I could see the big 12 wanting to get two Western coast teams to dominate that window as well, because then they can have a theoretical world where you're watching UCF and West Virginia and Cincinnati kick at noon. And then you're getting the Texas teams and their home games at three 30. Then you're getting BYU and the West coast teams at 10 30. You can throw in whoever the big team is at prime time. And suddenly the big 12 has a presence in every single t- prime time window through the entire day, which is something no conference in history has been able to claim. So like, I know I'm really in the weeds, but like, that's the I mean, mindset behind why they might want that more than let's go get USF and Memphis. You know what I mean? Smart people. Smart it, people. You know, it's amazing how little of the stuff actually has to do with football. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And the last thing I'll say on that is like, given that UCF is, you know, obviously still a group of five team until next year. I, part of me, like it would kind of feel like bad for the remaining group of five teams where like they if they are banking on it and then they go take a pack 12 team or two and then they like that window is just not you know it's never going to open back up again because they're kind of just resigned to I, you, you shouldn't know, feel bad for them. At. you shouldn't feel bad for them and i don't feel bad for them and the reason i don't is not because oh haha whatever ucf as of this moment that we're recording this podcast has spent exactly zero days as power five team and that has not changed how much fun I've had being a UCF fan, all the stuff this school's accomplished, the top 10 seasons, the New Year's Six Bowls, the conference titles. And it's like, I don't like the teams don't. I'm sorry. Like, I know UCF fans are already starting to change their tune now that we're in the club. But like Memphis does not have less value to me because of the patch on the uniform. It means they have less money. But that doesn't take away, like, that doesn't make them going to the Cotton Bowl in 2019 less impressive than if they did it with the Big 12 patch on their logo. And the idea that fans can't enjoy their seasons because they're not in the conference they want to be in, I just think that's BS. And I hope my, that those fans don't feel that way. My mind was more to, actually, when I said I feel bad, it, was, it wasn't, to like, really anyone except for Memphis. Because I just felt like Memphis had, other than, like, there's obviously the, all the off-field stuff that we just talked about with Houston. But I was like, I would have rather seen Memphis get in. Memphis, Cincinnati, Just, and UCF are, have been the big three of the AAC since right. its inception. There's Which no is why I kind of been, and there. If I, I could probably go back on saying feeling bad for them because now what they're going to they should run the AAC for every year. Like the biggest be that team. losers and or winners of this whole thing were Memphis and SMU because they are just those programs entirely are just a complete step above the rest of the AAC. I think USF can get there if they actually try. Um, I think UAB and FAU will very quickly be there. But yeah, like I think for the first couple of years, I would expect Memphis to basically just win all the conference titles, if I'm being yeah, honest. Yeah, I don't feel bad for them anymore. They're going to win um, the, Who I really feel bad for is Boise State, to be honest, because Boise State has for literally a quarter of a century now been better than 90% of college football. <laughs> and But they're in Boise, Idaho. So yeah. our conference doesn't want them. And that's just like crazy. So that's unfortunate. But again, doesn't change all that they've done and the fact that no one wants to play them because they're so freaking good. So That's fair, yeah. All right, let's move on to the football news. We'll leave the Big 12 stuff here for now. Um, UCF and 3MG Roofing reached a five-year, $1.75 million deal, renaming the Tower Club to 3MG Club. It's out out to $350,000 per year. Easy money. We love free money. Easy money. That's just one of those things where you're like, why wasn't UCF doing this before? Like, how can they not get this kind of stuff done? It's just free money. It's just completely free money. They have to slap 3MG's name on the Tower Club and, you know, use the branding throughout the club but that's it pretty freaking good deal easy 
Um, as of last week, it was you know around this time last week, June 14th, 95% of the bounce house has been sold out for the 2022 season. Um, and I know from talking to someone that they're, you know, planning, not planning, they're expecting to get there soon. Um, and obviously before the season starts. Former UCF running back Bentavius Thompson, remember him? Uh, committed to Oklahoma after seven months in the portal. I kind of just forgot he was just still in the portal. He didn't he enter the portal for a while. November, either. right? He got kicked up or he left the team. Is it like? I don't know. Mm. <laughs> he wasn't on the team anymore from the beginning. From it was the start of the season, right? I don't know. I don't started. know that he got kicked off the team. I just saw it theorized. So. Well, he was, he might've just, left. he was just no, yeah, no longer on the team as of the beginning of the yeah. season. Um, and yeah, I think he, he entered the portal in November. Yeah. It was, November. wasn't he still at, wasn't he still attending UCF? I think so. He left the team in like August. Yeah. Um, and then I don't, yeah, for the so record, I, I just, I think, I think it's safe to say that like, without knowing for sure, uh, he, I like, you know, I mean, Gus Malzahn, the statement he gave when Batavius left was like, he just released him was like Bentavius is no longer with us. Like it, it was, you know, like, yeah. so I don't know. It, it, whatever went down was kind of odd, clearly. Yeah. But so now he's with Oklahoma, he's at Oklahoma with uh, Dylan Gabriel. Yeah. All Oklahoma. UCF is an Oklahoma pipeline. Love that. <laughs> um, Brandon Jennings has received a waiver that will make him eligible immediately. It's the linebacker transfer from first from uh, Maryland to Kansas State. Now he's at UCF. Um, because he transferred, transferred once before already, he needed a waiver. And the NCAA granted it. I'm actually pretty surprised he got that waiver, but I'm not going to complain about it. I'm also surprised that it happened as quickly as it did. Yeah, that was what was surprising (laughs) to me. I assumed that that would be like a buzzer beater type thing. Because they usually, they seem to be usually. I mean, wasn't wasn't Mike Hughes one that had a waiver? Well, it was a little confusing. No, it was Mike Hughes because he transferred from UNC, but he also showed up on campus three weeks before the first game. Yeah. And was actually, I'd have to double check. I feel like, was he, did he not play in the first game? That might've been a thing. I don't think he did i'd have to look it up i'd have to i might i could be totally wrong yeah that. but yeah I, I, that was a situation where it was like it always just seems like it goes call. down to the wire like, yeah and so for it to be settled in june then you have guys like john rice Plumley who transferred to ucf in large right. part because it was one of the schools offering him to also play on the baseball team and then immediately did not you know maybe that's what i'm denied. thinking of i might be thinking of that situation no because they denied him pretty quickly he showed up no. and a week later they were like not gonna happen <laughs> well and then he appealed it and it was end of the season starting yeah. where he was still trying to appeal it and the season already began um, so yeah, all that stuff to say, you know, he's Brandon Jennings is eligible, which is nice because UCF needs linebackers. We'll see how how he. I don't know what things. purpose was served by not letting him just play on the baseball team. I don't know what the NCAA thinks they're oh, preventing. I don't that, know, but whatever. I don't know. Uh, and lastly, as we alluded to earlier, Mission Control held a big event on Friday night, the biggest event in UCF history. Was that they were branding it as? I think the biggest um, non-game event right. in UCF. Yeah, and Dante Culpepper, Blake Bortles, Mackenzie Milton, Traquan Smith, the Griffin Twins, they were some of those who were in attendance and I had FOMO, but I'm just also not rich. Yeah, it was a lot so, of money to go to that. Um yeah. It's not really my cup of tea, that type of stuff. It looked really cool and I hope the people there enjoyed themselves, but yeah. um you know. It was just like it just seemed like really cool. I mean, I, just the pictures that came out of it were just like those three quarterbacks just hanging out together. The cool thing to me like, is I have not legitimately seen Dante Culpepper, Dante Culpepper give an interview on UCF since I was like a child. Like, and apparently, shocking. Coming out of that interview, he's like been following UCF for years, and it just has been at games and stuff. And it's just yeah, been somehow he just. Sly. I, I, I think it was I think it was Trace Trilco who asked him, uh, you know, ha, ha, are we going to see more of you? We haven't seen much of you, and he was like, I've been at least one game every year. You know, I've watched the game on TV. And I'm just like, like, you I, have. Like, he's like, I just stay away from the cameras. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I Culpepper is honestly seeing a photo made me appreciate milton and how good he was so much more because seeing the photo of the three of them together milton looks like a little kid like next to bortles <laughs> and uh, particularly cole pepper it was just yeah like, wow two former nfl quarterbacks um no i mean it seemed like a cool event and everything it was uh that was what i was you know getting on to earlier was you tweeting about how crazy it is that ucf and and being relatively young as a football program has three le- players of that caliber and then just every other you know fan of other schools jumping into being like ha 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 this is what you consider like well there's one guy that was like you need to watch more football if you consider these players elite or something like that one guy was, was like real, one guy replied and said i'm just assuming this was a sarcastic tweet if you would think any of those players are elite and i'm like uh, cincinnati fans got really worked up as usual but i, I i'm so past caring like it's I'm really, like 
I started blocking Cincinnati like, fans like in wide groups today because I'm just like, I think I'm done dealing with this. Like, well, I'm going to go on a little bit of a I'm rant. Like <laughs> to the Cincinnati fans on Twitter that I like argue with all the time. It's like, listen, when I tweet about Cincinnati or I tweet about UCF playing Cincinnati, that's cool. When I'm just tweeting about UCF, like get the hell out of my Twitter feed. Like, why are you sh- like it got to the point where I can tweet anything and I have six or seven Cincinnati fans who just have to chime in. And it's like, you know, get out, get the hell out of my Twitter feed. So, yeah, I blocked like 20 of them today and more Your life. I'm just at the point now where if a Cincy, Cincy fan replies and it was not a tweet that involved their team, they're getting blocked. So, yeah, get a life, seek help, touch grass, all those things. Um, what are yeah, some yeah. of you doing? Like, do, do you just not have <laughs> jobs? Like, I can tweet something and it's like the you should same just start people. replying. You should just start replying indeed.com to those people. I, honestly, I'm gonna start sending them links. Like, I like, what do you do? Like, literally, do you have like, and some of them are like adults? Found and, a job for you in Cincinnati. <laughs> Here you go. It's like, how are you 45 and on Twitter every 30 minutes? Like, what are you doing with your life? Reevaluate, recalibrate what you are doing with your time. With all of that, with all of that in mind, let's jump into tweet of the week. Tweet of the week. It's a it's UCF fans, of course. After I just went off on Cincinnati, um, it's just the group of you. If you're listening, uh, any of you who decided that it was appropriate to tweet things at Isaiah Nixon that were anything but good luck, and also just throw a fit. Um, so yeah, like someone replied to him when he said that and said, "Moving on, see you in 2024." And it's like there's no need for that. Someone else replied with Rhino Key throwing up the peace sign. Also, no need, for, no need for that, and not directly at him but fear the pegasus tweeted just curious what is the point of committing if you aren't actually committed and uh, stuff like that it's just like you know guys it's recruiting and it's their life not your life and like i I just feel like sometimes it's like fans and like ucf didn't used to do this and i'm noticing more of it it still was most fans were fine but i'm just noticing more and more of it as they approach the big 12 is like a recruit the 17 year old 18 year old kid is not a commodity or item that you would like to add to the collection that is your program's roster. They are a human being making a decision that is probably the most important decision they're going to make in their life. And I'm sorry that not every single one of them believes that the best choice to make is UCF, you know, but it's like, just lay off them. I just, I, I can't like, can you imagine like, if you're listening to this and you went to school or it's the same for us, like if you were picking your college choices and like, you know, there was a point in time, I came very close to going to FSU. There was a point in time where I was almost, I, I was like almost about to like, let them know that I'd accepted and was going to go. And then I changed pretty like, you know, not super last minute. It was like, you know, my heart's with UCF. I want to go to UCF. I want to stay in Orlando. I can't imagine if like I, this was a world where I'm recruiting, I tweet that. And suddenly everyone from Tallahassee is like, I hate you and hope you have nothing but failure for the rest of your life. Like, I, it's like, just Who needs stop you anyway? it. Who needs you worthless? It's like, just stop that crap. Like, just stop it. They're real human beings. They're not like not toys. Only are they for real, your not only are they real human beings. They're in high school. They're high school kids. It's like you're insulting a child. Like, <laughs> I just stop. Oh, Twitter. What would we do without Twitter, though? Uh, be more at peace, but also more bored. It's pretty, much, there you pretty go. much what it would come down to. You take with the bad with the good sometimes, I guess. I just wish people would be less bad on Twitter. But. Have some compassion. I, I like that's really all I'm asking is like when you're about to tweet something at a player or anyone or a fan it's like and I love that I'm the one saying this when I get into brutal arguments with people on Twitter but I usually stick to facts and stuff I don't let her like call someone an idiot and stuff like that but like just for you to tweet something at a player just like take a pause and just for five seconds try to think of it from a compassionate angle and decide if you really want to send a tweet I think that's that's it you know also ask yourself the question would I want someone tweeting this at my kid there you go and if you are a it's kid, a get off Twitter entirely. It's as simple as that. If you're still oh, like, man. if you're still like in high school, just get off that app. I don't know what you're doing on there. It's bad for your brain. Eat your vegetables. Maybe that's why I, maybe that's why I am the way I am. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Cause Bailey and I spent high school on Twitter and now we're screwed up. So yeah. <laughs> get that's off the so app. So many problems. Um, all right. We'll, we'll move away from this conversation and uh, we'll be back next week with episode 80 of the Pegasus podcast. Until then you can find us on Twitter at Bailey J Adams, 22 at by CA Simmons. And at Night Sports Now, once again, thank you guys so much for being with us, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye, everybody.